Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this episode number 31 of the RDO podcast. As always, you with the, uh, let's call us the Auto Bros, Alex and Jackson Von Cannell. How are you going? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, mate. Um, so we've got a couple of things to get into this week. Um, obviously, the results are in. Your results are in, yeah. My, yeah. my results are in. So I, I took myself to QScan on the Gold Coast uh, for my uh, DXA scan. And what my does result- DXA stand for? Um, I wonder if it's on here. I don't know. We'll stick it in the comments. But they call it a DXA scan. It's, yeah. it's a body composition scan, sure. essentially what they're looking for. And we had a couple of people um, make some guesses on, on the comments as well, so thank you for your contributions. Um, Can you remember what your guess was? Yeah, so my guess was like 20 to 25%. And what was my guess? Uh, what was your guess? Over 30. Yours was over 30. Yeah. Yep, so the results are in, and I am fat and delusional, is <laughs> <laughs> what, what the numbers state. So, um, yeah, I, so I'll start with, like, there's a lot of numbers here that I'll run through. There's, there's a lot of bad news, but mm. there's a lot of good news as far as I'm concerned as well. Um, so, total body fat percentage, 34.7%, which is far higher than I assumed it would be, obviously. That's mid-30s, it's not even early 30s. Yeah, that's right. So, it's almost 35%. Yep. Call it 35% just to, just to make it easy numbers. Um, now, as far as some of the other stats go... It was very easy for you to get to those numbers, so they, they are easy numbers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think it's actually taken me years of, of poor choices to get to these numbers. But, um, look, out of, so the, a couple things out of this before we go too much further with it. When you get bad news, there's two different ways you can take it. Mm. The number one way is you can be disheartened and upset. And, like, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was pretty staggered by that mm. because... Again, I've always been an athlete back in the day, and clearly I'm not an athlete now. And I've known that I'm not anywhere near as fit as I used to be, and I know that I'm definitely a lot heavier than I used to be. I honestly had no idea that my body fat percentage was this high. Mm -hmm. So it was staggering to get the sort of news at the beginning. However, the positive way to look at it is, at least I've actually got the data now. And I've got the data, I've got a benchmark, I've got something that I can actually work off. Because... Again, being half delusional in my own brain, like, so, I mean, for a start, I probably should have done this back in October when we first started the fitness challenge, because I've still lost five kilos since October. Yeah. So I wonder what it was actually back then, too. So I have, I am going to book myself in for another scan in about three months' time, yep. and continuously do them every three months to make sure what I'm doing is actually having results. So there's there's a, a lot of stats they run through here, um, but they, they've even got things like your mass in your arms, all that sort of stuff. Um, so, so one thing I found interesting, uh, with my legs, uh, so three years ago in February, I had ACL surgery and I'd actually injured myself a year prior to that. So my right leg muscle had completely atrophied during that year that I, I couldn't use it essentially. So one of the things I was really happy about is the actual um, muscle mass in both of my legs is basically the same now. Mm. which, I mean, there's a 33 gram difference between the two. Yeah. Which is no- nothing. Yeah. So it just shows me that all the rehab work and stuff I've done over the last you're three... you're very dedicated in your rehab. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so that, that looks like it's been very, very effective, um, which I'm happy with. Now, look, there's a lot of things in here which they have like a thing called like a fat mass index, which I think is just, they give you a number. So it's 10.45, if anyone, any of you out there actually know what it means. I think that's mainly a number which they use to track your results. So obviously if your fat mass index goes up and down sure. per scan, it's an easy way of, uh, of tracking it. Um, but I'm holding 35.75 kilos of fat, which is a lot. Seems like a lot. It does seem like a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. So goal-wise, I'd like to lose at least 10 kilos of that fat. That's sort of my goal. Okay. Obviously, so point. you want to get your body percentage down to well, your fat percentage. Yeah, my body fat percentage down to the... 26. Well, call it 20, 20. Well, again, I just... Realistically, I want to lose 10 kilos of body fat. Whatever my muscles do at the same time will then dictate what the percentage so is. So, to be clear, yeah. wouldn't that make your fat percentage 26%? It depends if my muscle mass goes up or down at the same time. Because if my... If my if I drop total muscle mass at the same time, my percentage will stay then, higher. Then what, what metric are you chasing? Lowering body fat. 
So the way the percentages work. So the number. Okay. Okay. Yes. So the, okay. So what's the number now? Thirty-five point seven five kilos of body fat. Okay. So you want that to be. So I want that to be twenty-five kilos. Okay. That's my initial okay. goal. Um, and again, at least because the the problem with the body fat percentage thing is, again, if I if I lose no fat but I jack up my muscle mass, my body fat percentage will improve. But I'm still holding sure. thirty-five kilos of fat. So and and and. Vice versa, if I lose heaps of body fat, but I lose heaps of muscle mass as well, my percentage will stay around the same because mm. it is a percentage. So initial goal, if I could lose 10 kilos of body fat, be very, very happy with that. Um, there's a couple of other things in here that I was happy about. So they've got a thing called SMI, which is the Relative Skeletal Muscle Index, which I scored a 9.56. And in the little blurb chart here, it says, so the Relative Skeletal Muscle Index is used to assess the relative amount of lean muscle on your arms and legs. This should be above 7.36 for males and above 5.45 for females. So I'm 2.2 points above that, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, a, a positive thing. So, and I mean, like I have said before, I do feel like I am getting stronger from mm -hmm. doing weight training and stuff like that. So that's a good thing. But um, yeah, basically... What, what are some things in there that you don't like? Obviously, the body fat percentage is one. The total amount of body fat is another one. Um, there's a lot of things in here too about like different types of fat. So like visceral fat mass, I'm holding two kilos of that's visceral the, fat. That's the bad stuff. Yeah, that's that's the stuff around your uh, abdomen. Yeah. Uh, which can have sort of health risks and stuff like that. There's, I'm worried about that one. Yeah, yeah. There's also, um, they've got two different types of fat, Android and gynoid fat. So android is mainly around your lower tummy area. Gynoid's more around your hips. Yeah. And the android fat, according to this, is the one that is more recognised as um, as an important predictor of potential health risks. Mm -hmm. Whereas gynoid fat isn't as important. But they do keep a ratio between the two percentages, which they say you need to be under a 1.0 to be in the healthy sure. distribution, and I'm a 1.38. Okay. So I'm well above, obviously, where that needs to be yep. as well. So, yeah, those are... Does it have biological age on there? No. It's got things like resting metabolic rate. So my resting met metabolic rate is 1,737 calories a day, which is about 7,200 kilojoules, roughly. Um, that was surprising when you told me that number because that sounds like... Not a whole lot. Like, I, I feel like you'd consume multipliers of that. Well, of course, because that's rest. That's if you sure. did nothing for a whole day. Yeah. So, and again, like, one, one of the things I think that um, staggers people when they first get into exercise is how much effort it takes to burn a calorie. Dude, I did. I was on the freaking assault bike, and I had to get to 28 calories in under two minutes. I almost died. Yeah. And the number was 28. Yeah. 28 calories. Yeah, that's right. So and like, how many calories are in a the coffee? Um, I think black coffee. There's pretty much nothing. Well, if if there was milk in the coffee, oh, if there's milk. There's I don't know. I mean, kilojoules wise, I think uh, a milk's probably got two hundred kilojoules in it, so it's probably forty or fifty calories, roughly. Yeah, and that and that thing, it all it all adds up. So obviously, there's a couple of things out of that. Um, your resting metabolic rate, you can increase by adding muscle mass because mm -hmm. um, so your resting metabolic rate it basically uh, so they they define it as uh, resting metabolic rate is an estimate of the calories consumed in your body's resting state it represents the minimum amount of energy needed to maintain body temperature heartbeat and respiratory rate each day so if you add more muscle mass to your to your frame you will increase your uh, resting metabolic rate sure. as well um, but yeah, look, look. Here you can have a look if you like. Um, number one thing for me out of all this stuff is to have a starting point. Mm -hmm. And obviously, it's nice to have this wake-up call while I'm 32 years old and not have this wake-up call when I'm 45 or 50. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you reckon What do you reckon my number's going to look like? So I'm getting mine on Monday. Yep. Well, when this comes out, when you're watching this, I'll be getting my, my right. stand-up. So... It's an interesting question because, again, I was way off what I thought I was going to be. Oh. Um, and if you look at simple maths, so my, my uh, body fat percentage is 35% and I weigh roughly 100 kilos. Uh -huh. So you and I weigh roughly the same amount. Yeah. 
Um, I would say I've been probably lifting weights for a little bit longer than you. Yep. So I would assume that my percentage of lean mass would be slightly higher than what yours is. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, I'd probably say 36 or 37%, but I could be dead wrong. And like you were saying, your, your trainer thinks that you'll be less as well. Only because I... Well, we'll see. We'll see. Mm. But he thinks we just hold it in different places. Yeah, okay. And look, that, that can be a big thing too. Like, obviously, mine might be more evenly dispersed throughout my body. Um, which is, again... Because, like, I was, I was sort of going into this scan thinking, well, I know I've, got, I've definitely got a gut, but, you know, I, I basically don't hold anything on, on, like, my arms. And But then when you actually look at the scan, you're like... I do hold stuff in my arms. I do hold fat in my in my upper thighs and everything. Too. Totally, because like if you if you can't see like the outlines of the muscle, yeah, it's fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So look, I would encourage anyone out there get a scan because yeah. it is number one. It's interesting. Like it's very very interesting to to get a real picture of where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, but number two, you might be unpleasantly surprised like I was, mm-hmm. and it might actually be a call to action to make some, some serious change. Well, we spoke about it ages ago, you know, I, I was adamant that I've got body morphia, and you obviously did too. Yeah. We looked at ourselves, and we thought, you know, killing killing the game. Mm-hmm. No, I, I knew that I had some physical limitations yeah. that, that I've never had before, so that, that was a wake-up call for me. But uh, also the, the look-in-the-mirror thing, I know it affects some people differently to others. It mm. didn't affect me. Right. Um, but it should. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, we'll see, see what the scan says. You like, think- I, I'm noticing things at, at the gym and, and, you know, for a 34-year-old um, person, this is it's not the right thing. You know, like, um, doing push-ups and everyone's like, you know, you've got to get your, your nose, what is it, your nose, your nipples, or your dig to the ground. Mm. My gut stops it. Yeah. Like, I, like, I get, like, an inch and a half of uh, leeway yeah. because I like I can't get down there. Yeah, but you got a physical barrier between you and, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. hitting those markers. Yeah, so yeah. look that so those, those things are those things are wake up calls for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um ironically, at the same time as this, um so obviously I'm I'm trying to one one of the things I really enjoy about this podcast is the opportunity to be honest with all of you guys, but also to be honest with myself. Mm. Um I think one of the issues that we often have in a Western country is our obesity levels are so high. Mm-hmm. I look at other people and go, oh, I'm looking all right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So relative to the general population, I look around and I go, those, those people are fat. I'm not that big, so yeah. I must be doing okay. Um, Do you go to Japan? You go oh, to yeah. Japan and last time I spent two weeks in Japan... And when I got to the airport and saw all the people flying back to Australia, I was like, man, we are bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, speaking of which, this does have your BMI on it. And my body mass index indicates that I'm 0.5 into the obese category. 0.5, like, a, is that a large number or a small So the, the BMI go, ranges from a base level of 13 and a max level of 35. So 13, you are grossly underweight. 35, you are grossly obese. Um, and they... So the normal range is 18.5 to a 25. And I'm in... I'm just... I'm 30.5 in the obese category, which is 30 to 35. But it, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, you are. Like, um, and... and I know we've constantly ragged on that BMI index, and I know that there's, it's a contentious point, but even if it's just a guide, mm. it would be right. You know, if you if yeah, we had done well, a wrong BMI check, you would have said that we'd Well, if, if I was a professional weightlifter, or if I had been lifting heavy at the gym for a long period of time and had a lot of extra muscle mass, that's where BMI gets thrown out. Because yeah, but the ninety percent of the population is not that, that. Is not that. Yeah, so you can use it as a general marker. Yeah. But again, I mean, to me, that was always just a thing in the back of my mind because even when I was younger and an athlete, I was still in the overweight category. So I'm like, oh, I'm not overweight because I used to be stripped. Like I used to be shredded mm. compared to what I am now. Um, so that was where that mentality of fuck BMI came yeah, from. Yeah. You know, back in the day. But again, like obviously, I'm I'm nowhere near even even close to that. It just goes to show you to the there is a mental challenge mm. oh, in health as well. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, and sorry, this is what I, this is where I was getting to before. So, 
so yeah, trying to go on this personal development mission with you and with, with all of you guys. And I appreciate you coming along for the ride. And I hope that some of you go, you know what, I'm going to try to get myself leveled up in the next level at the same time. But I'm, I'm trying to start reading more books and all that sort of stuff too. So I've just picked up again um, The 12 Rules of Life by Jordan Peterson, mm -hmm. which I bought, admittedly, a few couple of years ago, I think it was, when it first, well, I think it was when it first came out. I can't remember, but it hasn't been out for very long. And I remember reading it back then, and it's a very intellectual book. And that was obviously back when I was selling cars and probably just too mentally engaged in, in that job. Yep. And I remember getting a chapter into it and going, this is, this, like, my brain can't deal with this stuff right now. Yep. Um, so I've, I've picked it up again. And I, I just picked it up two nights ago. And I just started reading a chapter a night. And last night, I ironically read the chapter, which is chapter two, which one of the rules is, treat yourself as if you're someone worth taking care of. And what, what the chapter talks about is um, how human beings just, uh, we, we're almost incapable of taking care of ourselves, at least to the level that we would take care of someone else. So to give you an example, um, they talk, he talks about how many people who get, say, prescription medicine from a doctor, so you get sick and you get a prescription and they don't, they either don't take the pills at all, they don't even buy the prescription, mm -hmm. or they get them, and, they, and it says, take the whole course. And how many times do you see people who it's like, take the whole course, but they start feeling better, so they're like, I don't need this anymore. So they stop taking them. And they juxtapose that against what people do with like the family pet. So say you've got a dog, and the dog has a health issue, and you take that dog to the vet. And the vet goes, Here, here's your right. prescription, here's the pills, this is what you need to do. And people follow that stuff to the letter. Yeah, because they can't feel it. Yeah. Mm. So people follow that stuff to the letter when it comes to someone else or, or a pet. Sure. But they don't do that with themselves. Um, and it's just like a... Is it like an internal martyrdom as well, where I do everything for everyone else? That's why I'm like this. Well, I'm not, not even too sure. Like, I mean, the, the way that he describes in the book, like, he actually relates it to a lot of, a lot back of, to, like, the Genesis story of man and the Garden of Eden and all that sort of stuff and some deep-seated guilt that comes from, you know, eating, eating the, the fruit that you're not supposed to eat. But I, I think I, what I find interesting about it is when I was reading through it, I was looking at it and I was like, this is right. Like, this is actually true and correct because I'm a dog owner and when I've taken Riley to the vet, I've done everything that the vet's told me to do every single time without mm -hmm. fail. Then when it comes to myself, it's like, I know, like, um, sorry, I'll get to that in a sec. I know exactly what I need to do. I just haven't done it. Yeah. I just, and I haven't done it for a long period of time. And also understand that it took me a long time to get this overweight which means it's going to take me a long time to strip it back again. So that 10 kilo weight loss goal, that's not by the next scan. That's just like, as long as I'm heading towards that 10 kilo fat loss goal mm. on each scan, then I'll be, I'll be getting happier and happier. And you get into that, I guess, positive feedback cycle where, you know, you, you make some changes, you do the right things, you get some good results. That spurs you on to keep doing it sure. more and more and more. Um, but it is remarkable how, as human beings, like we are, we are all inherently flawed. Everyone knows that. Mm -hmm. um, but our inability to take care of ourselves to the level that we take care of others, I find quite fascinating. Yeah, I, I don't feel it as much because I don't have a pet. I don't have a kid. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to correlate it to something that relates to me. And I can't really... Well, if you maybe look, my car. My car is very clean. <laughs> if you it, looked at it, it from like a... thing that it needs. Well, if you look... Well, maybe, maybe that's a thing. You, you service your car to do in the service intervals. When was the last time you went to the doctors for a checkup? Mm. That's probably a really good example. Yeah. I think another example would be if you, if you put yourself back in the, the dealership scenario and you had employees working underneath you you would be checking in with them all, all the time to make sure they're okay, to make sure they're doing well. What can I, what can I do for you to help you thrive in your role? Um, whereas, and you'd probably give them advice to do things to further their careers that maybe you potentially wouldn't follow yourself. 
But is that because is that because sometimes that stuff's just easy to it's easy to say, but it's harder to do. I think so. I, I think a, a lot of um, you know, I mean, how you see it all the time where people don't follow their own advice. All the time. All the time. And because you're right, I think it is. It's really easy to say it, but it's difficult to do it. And it's difficult to have the discipline to do the things that you know just need to be done every single day. So on that, how are you going to get to your target? Um, it's the, the main thing's diet. Mm. So obviously the main thing's diet. And um, I've always been an eater and I've always eaten higher volumes of things than I should do. And again, that probably comes from a learnt habit from when I was literally training every single day, playing sport, plus younger with a faster metabolism. Mm. Um, and I've just, I've stopped all the active stuff, mm. but I've kept the food stuff. Um, so for me, the big thing is, uh, is just healthy eating, healthy eating. So, uh, and smaller portions and smaller portions and, and less frequent. Um, well, eating in line with the activity levels that I plan on doing sure. for the day. So like, like we spoke about last week, if you're going to, um, go to the gym and do a big training session, you want to eat something beforehand. Mm. So you've actually got the energy to get the most out of that session. For sure. Um, Whereas, you know, if I know, like, for example, last week, so Nate picked up a head cold again. He'd been doing so well, two, two straight weeks a day without getting sick. And I think he'll, he's going to come good very, very quickly this time. So that's a positive, uh, positive sign. But um, there was a day on, I think it might have been Wednesday, where he was just attached to me the entire day. So I, I could literally do nothing. So on a day like that, where it's just caring for Nate day, eat way less food yeah. or probably do some fasting and that sort of thing. Whereas um, I've got a lot of projects I want to do um, at home, for example, which is like a lot of yard clearing stuff and that sort of thing. I'll eat more food because my active activity level will um, will require yeah. some additional energy. But it's just, for me, it's just about being more mindful with my choices mm-hmm. every single time. Um, and it'll take a long time before that becomes a habit. Um, but obviously... You know, we mentioned this about um, Steve Scott's book of the 15 disciplines the other week where your thoughts become your actions and then your actions become your habits. So I'm going to have to consciously think about these things for a long, long time until those thoughts powering my actions and those actions create habits that then, you know, uh, yeah. then, it, then I can not switch off, but then it will become more subconscious rather than conscious decisions. Well, I think then you'll be looking for finer adjustments. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm also increasing my training as well. Um, so again, just just trying to do a little bit more and do stuff every single day, and not make excuses to not do it. The excuse thing I think is funny because that's so my whole thing, not just excuse, but the rewards yeah. system that you build in your mind. Uh-huh. You know, I'm going to go out for beers. And, oh, because I, you know, I worked hard today, so I deserve a beer. Yeah. Or I had a bad day, so I deserve a beer. Yeah. Or nothing really happened, I should have a beer. I'll commiserate with a beer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's some, like, neural pathways that need to be regenerated into, like, real, well, real reward. Yeah. And, and, like, you know, that probably has a uh, um, biological... Um, starting point because when you think about it like you know if you if you were back in a hunter-gatherer society and if you exerted yourself it was probably because you're going out hunting for the day mm-hmm. and generally if you were going out hunting now human beings we were subsistence hunters so uh, if people don't know what subsistence hunters means what we generally did a lot of, a lot of animals that we hunted have really good fast switch muscle fibers that's why they're so powerful but we've got more endurance so we literally just used to follow these animals and we'd follow them and we'd follow them and we'd follow them until they got tired and they were so tired they couldn't defend themselves and that's how we actually mm-hmm. killed them a lot of the time so you've got to think about that so what have you done you've been following an animal so you're pretty much running a marathon as well as probably doing some small acts to defend yourself if the animal tries to come back at you whether it's throwing rocks or sticks or whatever it is so you you run 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 you do a lot of physical work during the day and then your reward is you've killed that animal and now you've got something to eat. Mm. So then we nourish ourselves with the reward. And that could be a biological thing. But again, the main difference these days 
is the level of work that we're actually requiring our body to do before the reward, but also the, the, what the actual reward is. So back in the day, if you're doing all this physical activity to get a high protein, high fat meal, which was nourishing, as opposed to these days where we do, we go, okay, mental stress. I've been sitting in my work, on my chair at my office all day, stressing out about all these things, but like, you know, I got it done in the end of the day. And what, what's my reward? I'm going to have a six pack of beers yeah. and a pizza, Yeah. you know, and the calorie difference. And yeah. So, you know, I think there's probably an, an, a biological basis for the, sure. uh, the reward based system. I just think it's such an arbitrary line that you can, you can draw yourself and, and it can be as little or as much as you think at the time. Mm. So that's definitely something that, like I went out for sushi last night with Tasha and usually I'd have like five plates. Yep. But I didn't feel like I needed five plates, I had three. Yep. And sort of stopped at three. Usually I, I usually always have a beer mm. with sushi because they go together really, really well. No beer, just yep. water. Um... I have definitely reduced the amount of snacking mm-hmm. out of boredom. Yeah. Um, because I, I found that was a big that was a, a big issue. Mm-hmm. But but now I'm finding I don't need to do that as much. Um, but the more I look at it, the more I focus on it, the more room for opportunity I see. And I look yeah. out I look at this contrast is like she's Yeah, oh, she's for sure. Onto it. Like like I could I could wave a packet of Tim Tams in front of her and she, she won't. Yeah. Because again, I think she, she has been so disciplined for so long. She, she looks at it the other way now. So she doesn't look at those Tim Tams as a reward. She looks at those as a setback. Yeah, yeah for sure. Right. For sure. And that, that's about, you know, a, a, again, thoughts lead to actions, actions lead to habits. Like it's, it is a, it is a rewiring and, you know, if, if, um, if any of you guys have started a new job before where you're doing something different, you and you when you talk about competency scales, you have to go back to being uh, consciously competent every single time. So you, you've gotten the job because you can do the job, but it's a different thing to what you're doing every single day. So none of the activities are autopilot. Everything is conscious thought, and that's exhausting. Right? It's mentally exhausting for people when you have to concentrate on every single thing yeah. that you're doing all day, every single day. Um, whereas when you'll, if you look at yourself doing that job 12 months later, 80% of the things that you do every day are in autopilot. You're not even thinking about them as you're doing it. So then mentally you're, you're far less exhausted than you were at the beginning. Um, that's because you're trying to train your brain to do new things and do different things and what it, those pathways that it's already mm-hmm. built into it. So again, it is about retraining your brain. Are there biomarkers for stress that hasn't been realised in the body yet? So I, like I know some, some people that are working, in my opinion, way too hard. Yep. And I can see it in their body. But I'm sure that there's people out there that have such high stress roles mm-hmm. that they maybe don't... Like, is there, are there markers in place... To under like to identify mental stress levels. Look, I think there would be, but it would be down to things like getting your, you know, I, I'm I'm sure that you can get checks for this, but like your neurochemicals checked, like your serotonin levels, your dopamine levels, etc., yeah. etc. Um, it's one of the things that uh, other things that's interesting in the Twelve Rules for Life that I was reading is um, he talks about lobsters. And he goes on this this big talk about how lobsters have um, they've been around for three hundred and fifty million years, and they've always had a dominance hierarchy, which is similar to what human beings do. In that, essentially, if you if you take a whole bunch of lobsters, you put them in a new area, everyone looks around, tries to find the best shelter, the best hunting grounds. The men fight it out for those those prime positions. Um, and then basically the women try to pick the strongest mate who's got the access to all the resources. It's, um, it's again, very similar to what you see in human society too. But on, on the male lobster front, one of the things they found which is really interesting is lobsters um, secrete serotonin just like we do. Same, same chemical. And what they found is if two male lobsters fight each other, whoever is the victor actually gets a higher amount of serotonin released every single day. 
And serotonin means that they're less stressed out, which means they, and it's like a confidence building chemical. So they walk taller, they're more confident. And statistically speaking, a, a lobster who has already won a fight is like 90% likely to win his next fight. Right. Conversely, the lobster that loses gets a reduced level of serotonin release, which makes them more stressed out. And obviously, if they've lost, it generally means that they've got not access to the good hunting grounds, less resources, and that, that serotonin means that they actually carry themselves hunched over, defensive all the time. Right. Um, so they're actually less likely to even engage in another altercation for better territory, let alone win, which therefore means it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that that, that uh, animal that's already put itself in a weakened state is then going to have access to less resources, less shelter, and live a worse life. And I think that, you know, human beings, we're, we're very, very similar. If you are stressed out, you're probably getting that less serotonin production naturally happening in your system. I think a lot of the reasons why we as human beings reach for vices is to get a dopamine hit in whatever way that we can because we are stressed out. We're not naturally feeling good about ourselves. Yeah. So I'm going to look for that dopamine hit in alcohol, in drugs, in getting likes on my social media posts. Yeah. And I'm going to look externally for those for those dopamine um, uh, hits mm. to perk my mood back up. Um, which is, I guess, when I really think about it now. See, I, I think about, like, Joe Rogan talks about it all the time where, you know, he'll have guests on and the guests are like, oh, like, the comments are saying this. And Joe Rogan just goes, you can't read the comments. Because Joe Rogan's the King Dick Lobster. Right? Joe Rogan's got so much serotonin going through his system, he just carries himself as a, as a strong person every single day. He doesn't care what anyone's saying about him because he understands it for what it is. I don't think it's not caring. I think it's understanding that, especially the comments thing, it's probably, it's pro probably not a great example only because he's smart enough to realise that only bad things are going to come out of the comments. Yeah. So remove himself from that, from that discourse um, yeah but I, I, I see what you're saying and, and I suppose we have that term is that not gun shy is, is the term gun shy that we, we would use where you know you've had a crack and it hasn't worked so you become gun shy yeah um, and, and that's a valid term in many different pursuits yeah yeah you yeah, know for sure yeah um, so yeah it is yeah it is a thing to contemplate and if you're one of those people that are working yourselves to the grind mm. to, uh, and and like go go and get at least go get your health checked out. Yeah. Because, you know, this is all we've got. This is it. Yeah. This this body, this mind. Yeah. This is it. You know, until we're implanting our um, consciousness into robots. And I've seen the robots. Man, they're good. I can dance better than the Boston Dynamics. I can't. Um, <laughs> so, if but uh, this may be a cautionary tale to some of the people that potentially aren't showing the signs like we are. We're obviously yeah. overweight. So. Yeah. You know, it, we can we can physically see it. Yeah. Um. It, it's it's a it's a marker that is easy to uh, identify. But if you're if you're sitting in an office and you're you're stressed out all the time, maybe go get yourself checked out and see what what the I'm not saying get out of that job because that yeah. might not be the right thing. But there might be some things that you can do for yourself to 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 optimize that. Oh, hundred percent. Um. And look, I've been victim of it. I, I've been victim of, I've been in an office environment that's extremely stressful. Um, and to to counteract that, I've reached for vices to make me feel better. I've drank too much alcohol and I've eaten too much fast food. Yeah. So, like, like as much as I say as I was, I was staggered about these results, then when I really think back to the last four years of my life, I go, I tore my ACL in 2017. So essentially, all physical activity stopped for 12 months, mm. which was the first time in my entire life that I've ever been like that. I got surgery done in 2018, in February, and it was an 18-month rehab to get my knee back to a level where um, I could just do the basics. Mm -hmm. So I was 18 months behind. So there's two and a half years I've lost as far as doing actual physical activity goes. You incorporate it at the time, in it was uh, mid 2018 was when I started working in Brisbane, and then I I was working 10 hour days with a two to three hour commute total every day. Mm. So 
not only was I having the commute, I was working in a stressful position. I was drinking too much alcohol, which again, a lot of it was, you know, traffic wise. I knew traffic was going to be bad if I left on time at work. So I'd go to the pub and have a beer before I left home because I'd get home at the same time. So then I'm having excess calories. And then when I've had a couple of beers and I'm driving home, literally the halfway point is the uh, fast food super center in B&Lee where it's got Maccas and KFC. And like you can see the KFC bucket from like 10 kilometers down the road. Very effective marketing. Um, And so because you had a couple of drinks, you make worse decisions. And you're like, oh, I, I want that. And then, so, I, like, when you actually look back at my last four years of my life, it was completely unsurprising that I've ended up in this position. Mm. I suppose the vice, the, the vice thing is interesting, like, maybe you need to take a step out of your life and go and, and look at it and say, is this thing helping or hindering? Yep. Because you can make all the excuses in the world in the moment why, why it's helping. Yep. I deserve this, I need it, it's yep. been a rough day. But it's actually going to help you. Yeah. And, and... I'm the same. Like it's, I, I, it's a difficult thing with having a salesperson's brain is we can justify anything and we generally do it most to ourselves. Yeah, but I wonder, I actually wonder what it's like to be in a non-salesperson's brain because I'm sure they can do it too. I'm yeah. sure they can convince themselves that whatever they want is what they want and what, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, I think that's probably a very common human trait. For sure. The easiest person to fool is yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, because, you know, if you lust after something, you'll figure out an excuse to, to yeah, have Yeah, that's it. right. So, I, I do... I do want people to consider that because, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we're, we're two examples of, of, of people who have done it to a pretty bad degree mm-hmm. and, and, you know, we want to get better. And, and if, if you're younger than us, well, you, you've got a massive advantage. For sure. If, if you never get into it in the first place, yep. you won't be in this situation. And, and again, it's, it's that funny thing, isn't it? When, so when I was 20 years old, people would come along and tell me, one day your metabolism is going to slow down. You know, you get fat, and they're like, never going to happen to me. Yeah. I would have people tell me, um, you can't play sports in the manner that you do because one day you'll start getting injuries. Never, never going to happen to me. Um, you know, you had people trying to talk to you about things like buying property, investing. Yeah, whatever. Like, that's long-term stuff. Who cares? I'm living in the moment, son. That's one thing I got on early. Right? <laughs> but all the other stuff I'll, I agree with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it's that whole thing of, I, I guess, your... Um, especially being a bloke, because I only, I only know what my, my existence was like being a bloke. I don't know what it's like being, being a girl. Um, but I know that when I was 18, 19, 20, I mentioned it last week, testosterone's peaked. So I was interested in one thing only. And that was competing for mates. Yeah. Pretty much. That's what I was interested in. And that was like, it was, it was kind of like, not, not tunnel vision, because I was like doing work and stuff like that as well. It was that, tunnel vision. It was, like, it was tunnel. Uh, uh, it, it was, was my primary tunnel concern ambition. in life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but again, it's like, I put all the stuff to the wayside because I was literally thinking about the day-to-day and I'm like, that stuff's future my, that's future Jason's problem. It's never going to happen to me. Um, so I'm just not going to worry about it. But then I go, okay, now I've, you know, I'm only 12 years older than I was back when I was 20. These are all the things I've learned in the last 12 years. So for any of you who are still 20 who are listening to this, apply some of these things now. Because think about, you're going to be 12 years in front of me yeah, when you're 32. ahead. But the other thing too is, is also it's never too late to start. Yeah, you got to start. Yeah. And what's the, that? What's that saying? Best time to plant a tree was fifty years ago. Second yeah. best time is, is now. Now, yep, one hundred percent. So that's the whole thing for me. While these numbers are a little bit staggering for me, it's a baseline, and now I actually know where I'm going. It's like having a, a map. Like beforehand, I was trying to navigate without having a map. Now I've got a map. Mm. Now I've got real data to go off so again the lies that i was telling myself before was that i wasn't losing any more weight because i was putting muscle on well those lies no longer exist now i removed that mental blockage i think i've noticed that you've also changed your tune a little bit just in the last couple of days since the previous conversation that we'd had during Mm -hmm. the week which was your you used to set targets for yourself Mm -hmm. And specific deadlines, just like on this this weight loss challenge, the, or the previous weight loss challenge that we had here. And what I we kind of spoken about how 
it shouldn't be. Putting an end date on it puts yeah. an end date on it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and your the way your brain is geared to achieve objectives is great, except for the fact after that, yeah. you no longer need to achieve. I can fall off the it. wagon again. Yeah. 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 Well, because the race has run. That's right. So, but you actually haven't mentioned it now, which makes me think you've thought about it. Yeah, I've thought about it a lot. Over that time. Yeah. And and that's, this for this weight, this weight loss thing, and I don't know if you remember when you, you tried to bet me or um, you wanted to have, have a comp, and I was mm. like, no, mm. no, because this is my, this is my own. Yeah, it's for you. Right? Yeah. And what I'm trying to do is, it's the everyday now. So mm. every day, is that choice the right the right choice, yeah. and I think that's going to be the only way that I I succeed in, in, in my target. One hundred percent, and this is this is true for literally everything that happens in life is the only thing you can control is yourself. Yeah. So, like, you know, I made all these excuses about working too much. Well, guess what? I was choosing to work too much. Mm-hmm. That was on me. I made those choices. Um, and then I was just trying to use those as a justification afterwards. Well, no, like that wasn't forced on me. That was a choice. Mm. I made those choices. Um, so, you know, when there are days when, you know, life will throw a curveball at you, which might, could be any number of things. You know, COVID last year, pretty good example. Everyone probably had plans rolling into 2020, which, which were kind of blown up by a curveball. But again, you had two different ways of looking at that. And if you got put in like COVID lockdown, for example, I think some of the populations like I'm going to use this opportunity to get fit. The other, like some of the other people in the population have gone, I'm just going to sit on the couch, watch Netflix and eat chips. Mm. You know, like there's always two different ways that you can look at things. So for me, it's number one, stop lying to myself about the decisions that I'm making and, and therefore stop justifying them to other people as well at the same time. Um, But two, it's just, Again, yeah, like like you said, there's no there's no end date on this for me now. This is life. Which, yeah, which is why I'm I'm loath to put a um, a target on how a much deadline. fat I'm gonna lose by when sure. or anything like that. Like realistically, I wanna I wanna get the scans done every three months just to make sure I'm still on the right track and to keep me accountable mm. as well. Because um, accountability is a is a real big problem for people too. Mm-hmm. Um, Jocko Willink's got his book, Discipline Equals Freedom. And a lot of people, like, that kind of doesn't look right because you think discipline, it's like, you know, so Jocko gets doing up. Doing what you're told. Yeah, doing what you're told and everything. But it's like, what the point of the book is, is if you've got personal enough personal discipline to do the right things the majority of the time, you're actually going to have a much better life than if you, if you don't do the disciplined thing now, by the time I'm 50... I'll be obese and can't do anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's where I admire Tasha so much is that she's so dedicated. She's got so much discipline yep. in whatever she does, whether yep. it be her, um, the gym, her diet, yep. her work. Um, she's 100% focused. Now, I, I realise that, that when I try to show her a funny cat video on YouTube while she's working mm. and I get zoned out, <laughs> that's because she's doing a good thing. Because she's in the zone. Yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah doing yeah. something that's uh, constructive. Uh, you mentioned something... I want to talk about um, you mentioned that 2020 kind of kicked us in the in, in the balls yeah okay when GFC happened mm-hmm. in 2008 there was a lot of really 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 bad press yeah okay I was selling cars at the time on the Gold Coast and our boss at the time had decided that we were going to grow in that in that time we had a strategy of how we were going to grow and we did right grew as a team Grew the numbers, uh, really embrace it. Um, I want to actually know. I don't think these negatives exist. Parts of them exist. I think the words that people use in the like media will say, "Everyone's this all bad, bad, all this stuff is evil." Rah rah rah. What made me realize? about what's happening from 2020 and into 21. Went for a motorbike ride with a friend. We go out to a place in Canungra, um, Cafe Metz. Shout out to Cafe Metz in Canungra. Mm-hmm. The best biker breakfast that you can have. 
you sit down in two minutes, your coffee's there. In four minutes, your food's there. It's consistent. Nice. It's great. It's 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 well priced, and it's in and out. It's just yep. made for bikers. And I've been going there for ten or twelve years. Okay, over the years, going for motorbike rides out there. And I remember distinctly remember the kinds of bikes that I would see out there back then, ten years ago. So. Yep. And ten years ago, I would say let's say twenty percent of the bikes that were around were the top of the range expensive show pony well like real high end yep. machines then there was some mid range but predominantly it was a lot of cheap stuff that people had cobbled together and 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 you know were, were, were riding around when I went there last weekend it was completely flipped 80% of the bikes that were there were the top of the range latest you know and even the even the ordinary stuff was just older but special Right. And that to me really really made me realize how affluent at least this area has become. Mm-hmm. Because the 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 uh, the value of those bikes is exponentially more expensive than what it was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I think okay, I, I look at my network cuz we had conversations during the week. You can hear stuff from the media, but I try to translate it to what I can see in my real life. Mm-hmm. I know some people that have lost jobs. Most of those people have got other jobs. Uh, and some of them have chosen not to go back to jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know anyone that's lost a business. I don't know. Like, I, I can't correlate any of this supposed heartache or financial crisis into reality. Now, sorry, except for the fact that I drive past the Virgin building mm-hmm. in Brisbane and it's closed. So so that those don't get me wrong, it's not it's not all it's yeah. not all like that. The travel sector has been absolutely decimated. Mm-hmm. But there's people that have made a lot of money. A lot of the businesses that I deal with, they've said that their customers are spending more money than they've ever spent before. A lot of, a lot of you know, uh, construction workers and landscapers or, you know, they've got more work than they've ever had before. Mm. Yeah, there's a whole range of factors, you know, can't travel. Definitely you know, depends on the sector that you're working in, for sure. Yeah, but, but I don't want to get caught in the mentality that 2020 kicked us in the nuts. When, it, from what I can see, unless you're in travel, mm. it didn't. Look, so probably a couple of things out of this. Number one, um, 2020 was a swerve. Whether it kicked you in the nuts or not is dependent on the way that you took it. Mm-hmm. So we said before, the number one thing, the only thing that you can control is yourself. Yeah. So if you were in a position where you potentially lost your job, how you responded to that is probably... Um, that, that dictates whether or not you think 2020 was a positive or a negative. I mean, even for me, um, the amount of pressure that got ramped up at work when COVID hit was actually the thing that convinced me to leave my job mm-hmm. uh, because pressure and workload went up, pay went down, I've got a child at home, it's not worth it. It was a kick in the ass I needed to actually make the decision that, you know, maybe I should have made it sooner. I don't know. Um, Same with me. I yeah. started my business in that time. So there's, because obviously we, you know, it, it came, the, the, the changes came through and we looked at it a certain way and we made moves that have ended up making ourselves happier because we controlled ourselves and how we responded to it. Mm. So um, with, with, with the bike analogy, like um, I can see where, where you're coming from. What I would say is that is it only people who can afford expensive bikes who can afford to go out for breakfast now as well? You know, is it the same people that you've seen at the at the cafe ten years ago that now have better bikes, well, no, but or is it only that the people who can afford the cocked bikes can actually afford to go out for breakfast now too? There were more bikes than I've ever seen, and look, you could you could say that population growth yeah. does that. So more bikes, mm-hmm. and and I did question myself: is it just old money? Because the old money has got uh, far vastly more valuable over, over that time. Yeah, anyone that's invested properties, whatever. Is, is far more is far richer, mm-hmm. but I'm just talking even the P plate bikes, the P plate yeah, yeah. bikes are the eight grand bikes. Yeah. Whereas back when I had P plates, it was like two or three grand bikes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do th- I do think that's a mentality thing too. I think these days people are more willing to take on more debt 
to get what they want sooner rather than 10 years ago. I feel. But, well, I don't know if that's the case because I remember... I, I feel it's the case because I was selling cars then and, I was, I, and my finance penetration was higher then than what it is what it has been Yeah, but that's recently. just that's just down to the fact that it, you could get literally anyone approved back then, which is different now. I think the, the rise of social media and the pose factor has made people buy more expensive things to show off to other people these I, days than I, what they did 10 years ago. I don't think that's changed in 10 years. I think I, it has. We, we think, can disagree on that. I think yeah, it definitely Yeah, has. but I was selling cars 10 years, 15, 17 years ago, mm-hmm. and that show pony mentality has never changed. It's always been the same. No, people I don't think all, so. Especially I think it's worse now. I think people are more vain now than they were 10 years ago. Because but of based social on, media. But, based, like, but can, you, can you correlate that to anything? Because I know, I know the customers I was dealing with were still buying show pony cars that they couldn't afford mm-hmm. back then to what they are. Yeah, I think there's those people still, and I think there's more now. Which is probably what you're seeing with P players buying really expensive bikes. Uh, and I think the... Uh, I think, again, I think that's an easy thing to say, but it's a hard thing to actually back up. Okay, well, we'd have to have a look at things like household debt numbers. If household debt numbers have gone up, then that would be incorrect. Well, no, because... Because it, people have taken on more debt and, and simultaneously have more impressive things to show off to people, then I would say that people are more willing to go into debt to, to project an image than they were 10 years ago. Mm, but again, we don't, we don't have the stats here or anything like yeah. that. But getting, getting back to the point, so I think that you, you are right. I think there was a lot of good that came out of last year if, if you're willing to look for it. There was also a lot of bad that came out of last year if you're willing to look for it. Yeah. And the big key difference is that the media and social media was only trying to show the bad, yeah. which is why I think... You're right. There's probably an imbalance between what people's perception of 2020 was and what the reality was, heavily slanted in the negative favour because that's what's filled your airwaves every single day. Yeah, and um, that's why I want to correct the way we speak about it. Yeah, because it well, language is very important. It didn't kick us in the balls. It it did us. It was hard for months, right? But we've well, been through rough patches of months in the in the past before. Yeah, but we don't refer back to oh, 2017. You know. July 2017 was rough. Mm. I don't want to get caught in the... 2020 was a formative year. It's also difficult for us to comment, being that we lived in Queensland the whole time. If we lived in a state that had lockdowns, we would, we would possibly be speaking differently about it. Sure. Um, especially if you were in a, in a state that maybe had lockdowns, where maybe, maybe you had just started a business within the last six months when it happened, you were forced to lock down and you didn't qualify for government assistance. Mm. Those sorts of scenarios would have, obviously, those people would have a very different perspective yeah, of, sure. of what happened. For sure. Um, we've been largely the beneficiaries of living in Queensland where it's pretty, like, it's almost been life as usual. Like, like you said, it was like probably three months at the beginning where everyone freaked out and we didn't know what it was and... You know, everyone changed everything, but then it's like, yeah, so like what I'm saying is we need to appreciate that. I absolutely do. Yeah. I I absolutely appreciate that. What I'm saying is I wouldn't apply that appreciation to everyone else who was in worse circumstances than what we were because we were quite gifted. I mean, I've got a mate who lives in Scotland at the moment. He's been on lockdown since October. Yeah. Like who, you know, I think they're allowed to leave the house for an hour a day or something like that. Um, his particular line you live of in work. Scotland, you don't want to be outside. I, I think that being inside for jokes. that length of That's time, jokes. yeah, um, his line of work is has basically been decimated for the last three months. <clears throat> so for sure, but but for every one example of where that stuff has been really bad, mm-hmm. if you looked for it, you could find an example where someone has thrived or has benefited from. Yeah, oh, of of course you could, but again, it's it it comes down to what you choose to look at as a person, and you should be trying to look for the positives, but you yeah. need to be mindful of the negatives too. Be mindful of the negatives, but choose to actually take a positive course of action when they come up, yeah. rather than pretending I'm that there was no negatives. I'm not saying there was no negatives. That's mm. not what I'm saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is, though, we're carrying this mentality that it was all bad, and that's just not true. I don't think we are. That's what the media does. Well, even in your wording to start this conversation mm-hmm. was about how bad 2020 was. I said it threw a curveball at us, yeah. You didn't say curveball. You would have to go back, back. Okay. but that's that's the common mentality is people will say that they'll all say that, oh it's something rah, rah, rah. Hmm. that's what I want I want us to check ourselves with that attitude hmm. because it's not that constructive 
it's it creates an excuse like we talked about our, our our vice excuses it creates an excuse for for not achieving some things that we probably could have achieved mm-hmm. and if you're not looking for the silver linings you're never find them oh of course of course and and again like i absolutely no disagreement on that but um, at the same time, like I said, you, you do need to have some empathy for the people who have been in far worse positions because of what happened last year, which is a lot of people. So, that, and again, for the people even who have had the bad things happen, like family members pass away or businesses closed or, or whatever that is, as, as harsh as it sounds, at the end of the day, you, you're where you're at, so you need to choose to take a positive out of it. you you got to deal with that That's right, because regardless of how bad your lot in life is, if you choose to respond to it negatively, you're going to make it worse. Yeah. If you choose yeah. to respond to it positively, you're going to make it better. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I, I see what you're saying in that you don't want to focus on and dwell on the negative and use it to, like, thinking... Worrying too much about the past and all the negative things that happened in the past, all you're doing is you're spoiling your present, which is today. Yeah. And every day that you you pick something, you you dwell on something negative today, you just ruin another day. Whereas exactly. we, we our attitude towards two thousand eight GFC mm-hmm. is that it it absolutely decimated the world, and in reality, here in Australia. It did not. It was far from it. And a lot of people made a lot of money on the way through. And a lot of yeah. people made a lot of positive lifestyle change because of that. But, but I almost feel like, in just in this interaction here, mm. that I'm getting a negative stigma for even considering that. Because it sounds like I haven't been empathetic to the people that, that did struggle. But this, that's, what I'm, that's the issue that I'm saying. Yeah. There is talk and then there is the reality. Mm-hmm. And I agree with what you're saying. You need to make whatever situation you're in, you need to deal with it. But I don't want a broad brush of all this negative stuff when, in reality, it wasn't. Mm, but, but again, you're, you're speaking from someone who's had a pretty positive response to it. So you're saying you don't want to broad brush all the negative stuff, but I feel at the same time you're somewhat broad brushing all the positive stuff at the same time. Yeah, because no one's broad brushing the positive. And that's yeah, why I know, I because to, it doesn't sell. Because it doesn't sell. Yeah, I had yeah, but I, I want to raise it because I want to I want to check people when they when they're saying oh yeah twenty twenty that was really that was really hard, but was it? Is my question was it was it really? So or, so, so was, someone goes I lost my family member and my business closed down because the government forced me to shut down. What would you say to them? Yeah, different story. But if someone said I started a business and employed twenty people and and, and exactly. So again, you're saying you don't want to broad brush negative. I get it. You don't want to dwell on the past. That's cool. That makes perfect sense. It's not dwell on it. I don't want to. Do, I don't. I don't want to dwell on on the uh, on a theme that was created at the time to sell media. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want that to taint your, your outlook. Like brown tinted glasses, sharp tinted glasses. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself what it was like for you, mm-hmm. not what people said, but what it is for you. Yeah. Because, like I said, you, you've just you've just gone to the worst case scenario, and the worst case scenario did happen mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. But is it all the worst case scenario? No, it's not. But it's not all the best case scenario either. No, it's not. But we never talk about the the good things that came out of those bad times. Well, we've absolutely spoken about the good things that have happened out of those times. But generally, we don't. Generally, well, we no, say that twenty twenty was hard. Well, no, because I've only spoken positively about 2020 for me because it was one of the best years of my life. Like, I, I had the birth of my first son. Yep. Um, you know, I made a decision to leave work. I've been... Ha- the happiest I've ever been is what I am now because of things that happened mm-hmm. in 2020. So, for me, it was largely a positive year. I But I can completely empathise with people who have not had the same level of positivity. And I, I understand that you want to... You want to bring more positive discourse out there. And that is... That is a positive thing because at the end of the day, the media sells negativity sure. and that's why there's such a negative slant in everything that we, we consume every single day because that's what brings eyes and brings attention. And and you're right, it's influencing people to have a more negative view of 2020 than potentially they need to have mm. because you're right, they, they could be looking at what happened to everyone else, but them individually, they've actually done very, very well out of it. But yet they still got a negative kind of like yeah. a negative feeling from yeah. it. So what you're well, really you've just saying, done it to me. I've talked about the positive things, and then you've balanced it out by, by no, death but, and destruction. But that's that's what what you just did yep. is exactly what I'm trying to illustrate. Is mm-hmm. that is that 
people come and business come go all the time. People die all the time. People, there's life, you know, think yeah. about all the people that have had babies. There's, there's both sides of it. Mm-hmm. But you try to stigmatize my attitude of, of the positive things that have come out by balancing it out with the, the bad stuff. Yeah, because it's about balance. Yeah, but, yeah. There's positives and negatives. But yeah. we only, but the, the media is only talking about the I know, and I've never said that they're not. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that the re- in reality, there was good things that happened out of 2020. There was bad things that happened out of 2020. There is a balance. So you need to speak of it as a balance as well. Because if you don't and you just talk about all the positives, you're just as bad as the media. You're just on the other side of the fence. Yeah. So it is, it is about balance. And, but again, I think what this all really comes down to is individual responsibility and how you respond to whatever cards are thrown at your table. And we've got a choice. We've all got a choice. And it's, okay, these are cards that have been dealt to me. What can I do to make the best out of this? Or what can I do to make the worst out of this? And I guess you have to look at that in every facet of your life, every single time it happens. Plus, at the same time, again, what you're, you're advocating for is be mindful of the media that you consume. Mm. Because I do find it. If I go through cycles where I, I watch a lot of news or I, I go on too much social media, I feel negative. Because yeah. it's all negative it's stuff. It's by design. Yeah. That, that's right. And it is by design because, again, we have a negativity bias as human beings. We look at things that we think are going to harm us. And that just gets jammed down our throat all day, every single day, because we have a 24-hour news cycle. So you do need to check yourself and pull yourself out of it and go, okay, there's a lot of bad things happening to a lot of people that are out there, but they're not actually happening to me. Or your network, or your direct ne- yeah. network. And if they are, that, instead of going, oh, like, woe is me, the, all these bad things are happening, what can I actually do to help someone who is in my network that I know a bad thing has happened to? Because I don't, I don't think the majority of people who you know, are, are taking in all this negativity who then have a friend that they know is in a, a really bad spot because of maybe losing a business or something who are picking up the phone going, what can I do to help out? Mm. Because, and you'll even find that more fulfilling in yourself where if you can help someone who has fallen on tough times because of something that was out of their control, you'll feel better about yourself too. I just re- remember having conversations with people during GFC when they were freaking out that it, the word, the, the, the mantra was everyone's losing their homes. Yeah. And then I asked these people, who do you know that's lost their homes? And sometimes they could cite some examples. Yeah. Investment properties. Yeah. Investment properties that they should never have had because it was a property bubble. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, some of them made money on the way th- <laughs> on the way through, just not as much as they would yeah. have liked. And there's just that real... Yeah. The, I think the best way to correlate to what you're saying is to ask... What's it done to me? Yep. And what's it done to the people that I can I can physically see? I get like direct two degree of separation mm-hmm. um, um, network. Yeah. Because I think that story will will be very different to the story you're being told. Yeah, and look, at the end of the day, you, you need to. It comes back to um, instead of like when you, when you're listening to anything, and this includes our podcast as well. Um, When you're listening to any form of media, if someone's gone public to say something, generally there is an agenda that they're trying to achieve by saying that thing. The news is no longer about just reporting the news. Like, it is not, this is what happened today, good and bad. Mm. It is fear, 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 fear. So they can sell toilet paper. So they can, well, so they can sell something. So they can sell a product, generally. Um... It is, you know, the, the, even just the sheer fact that you tune into the news and they've got advertising, like they run ads, like it is designed to hold your attention for as long as yeah. it possibly can so they can sell your product. So you need to be mindful of those things. And it's something that um, I used to teach young salespeople when they're trying to sell like a card or customer is when a customer says something to you, don't, don't think so much about what they're saying to you. Think about why they're saying it. So the, the best example in sales is always the, if you go to approach someone on the floor and say, hey, how are you going? Like, is there anything I can do to help you? And they go, no, just looking, thanks. They're not just looking. They're usually there to buy a vehicle, but that just looking, thanks, is a, is a wall that they put up, which is a natural reaction, because I do it myself. Even if I'm going out to look at electronics or clothes or something I'm out of my comfort zone in, if someone comes and asks to help me, 
I all I I still have the natural reaction going. No, I'm just looking for I'm the total opposite. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to seek someone out. Hey, can you help me? Yeah, so I'll seek someone out if I if I sort of have a bit of a general idea of what I want to look at and I want more information. But oftentimes if I know nothing, I'll I'll automatically do that. No, I'm just looking things. And again, it's a defense mechanism, right? Because it's like me inherently, like human beings, we don't want to look like we're dumb. We don't look like we're idiots. So that's so anyway, getting back to the point, the I'm just looking things doesn't actually mean I'm just looking things. It means I actually really need help, and if you press a little bit harder, I'll actually, and you make me feel comfortable, mm. I'll open up to you and I'll talk to you about it. Well, consuming media is the exact same thing. It is, it's not, um, you know, the headline of, you know, this... Uh, I, I'll give you a really good recent example. Um, I turned on ABC News, and I hear um, Australian Attorney General denies raping a teenage girl. That was the headline. Mm. So again, if I took that at face value, I'm like, shit, this guy's recently raped a, a teenage girl. And then when you actually delve into the story, it's, it's the thing that happened back in 1988, and he was a teenager himself at the time, etc., etc. But again, that headline was designed to capture my it's attention, grand, yeah. and it did, right? It, it did make me go, shit, that's, that's, that's full on. Yeah. That's full on. So it worked. But again, you gotta, you've got to... You got to understand the why around the message, not the what yep. of the message, because I think too often people take the what at face value when it's got actually nothing to do with the why, mm. and then that what because they take it at face value, they then spread it to all their friends too. Exactly, and so then everyone all falls everyone into gets the same the trap. Everyone gets the striking headline. That's yeah. right, Absolutely. and then your opinion on the headline, yeah, which isn't based on the story. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So hence the reason why online discourse sucks. Yeah, it does. It, it absolutely does. Um, you know, I, I've, don't you feel like that whole Australian news, Facebook, uh, Google thing, that's even out of the media already. Like, that's just disappeared that's and nothing's really changed at that's all. That's how it works. Yeah. That's how it works. Interesting. But um, look, all right, so, so to summarise uh, the lessons from today. Number one, I'm fat and delusional. Well, sorry, I'm fat, but I'm not delusional anymore. Put in the comments what you think my DEXA scan is. Yeah, so Alex will be getting his done on Monday, which will share the results next week. Um, so I've got, a, I've got a target of where I want to hit. Uh, but out of that, be mindful of your own health. And if you haven't had a checkup, if you haven't had a scan, if you're concerned about it at all, I would encourage you to go and do it because whether whether it's good news or bad news you might you might be surprised by the results you might go and you you might get you might be too huge well you might get confirmation that everything you're doing is perfect yeah in yeah, in, that's in, a good thing. in that case keep going that's really really good in my case it's broke so i got to fix it so that's one thing um, second thing is uh, again no matter what your lot in life and whether uh, something's been thrown on your table which again could be uh, it could be an opportunity mm-hmm. not just a negative mm-hmm. Uh, how you approach that um, curveball is largely going to dictate in uh, as to whether or not it ends up being a positive or being a negative yeah, experience you. for you. It is on you. And I guess thirdly is don't listen to the media. <laughs> listen to the why, not the what. Yep. What are they trying to sell me? Why are they trying to tell me these particular things? Yep. You know what? What's the angle that they're going with? Um, play chess with the media because they're playing chess with you. Yep. And that's all I've got. Yeah, that's it. That's it. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next RDA. Why did you so